and welcome back to another episode of Dr. Me First. We are still on the Work Is My Drug, the Work Addiction series. So I'm coming with you at part four today. And if you don't know who I am, I'm your colleague in medicine, your coach in life, mother of dragons, family medicine physician, sometimes the plumber of our house, (laughs) farm wife, and many other titles that have fallen by the wayside and I can't think of right now, Dr. Freaking Aaron Wiseman. I'm so excited that you're joining me in this work addiction series. It's been so fun researching it, talking about it, recording it, and then getting your email replies on it. So keep them coming. I can't wait. But before we get into part four, I got to pay some bills. So here's a word from our sponsor. I've got a really fun sponsor locumstory.com and a really fun story to share with you today. All right, here we go. It's called Docs and Shocks. Some docs are overworked as work works overworked workers weary. Some docs are overstocked, stopped as pandemic TikToks keeps docs off clocks. If docs are in shocks as the pandemic clock TikToks, then locums is the token to unburn the burnt out broken. So how many clocks tick-tock must talk until docs tick-box and swap to the spoken locum tenants token to unburn the burnt-out broken? Enough ticks have talked. The time is now and locums is how. Locum tenants tends to trend as a godsend mends the burnt-out ends. For locum tenants information and to hear other cool stories like this, go to drpodcastnetwork.com backslash locum story. It's your final destination to finding a job that's fulfilling and not life sucking. Go check them out, friend. All right, so I'm going to assume that you've caught the other three parts to this, part one, two, and three. And in part three, I talked about the pause, how to break the cycle of being a work addict and what that entails and the difficult work that goes along with it. So if you haven't listened to it, pause, go back to part three, listen to that one first. Promise it builds on itself. Today, I want to talk about, I'm calling it the R's, which is like re-entry, recovery or relapse. So after you've taken a pause, after you've gotten clear that yes, indeed, you are a workaholic and burning yourself out. Oh, and by the way, I have to say this always happens whenever I start on a theme and start doing solo casts. It seems like the universe drifts information and extra resources my way. But I was listening to a podcast called Metaphysical Milkshake with Rain Wilson and Reza, I think Meta is his last name. And it's episode 12 in their podcast. And they were speaking with Dr. Gabor Mate. And the title of that one is called Why Are We Addicted to Everything? If you are listening to my series, I would highly recommend that you go over to Metaphysical Milkshake and listen to episode 12. I actually absolutely loved it. And I really loved the beginning part where Dr. Mate was talking about his definition of addiction. And he's on the same thread as me that it's not just drugs, alcohol, sex, porn, you know, the the vices of addiction, but that addiction really is us 
trying to placate an emotional hurt pain. So just check it out. Total side note, but I thought it was awesome. And it's a pretty awesome podcast. If you are a fellow office fanatic like myself, it's always great to catch up with Rain Wilson. (laughs) I loved him as Dwight. So another side, if you are an office lover, you need to go over and listen to Office Ladies with Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey. Okay, that is enough. me getting distracted on other people's podcasts. But what can I say? Hey, I love podcasting as a genre. So I always have a lot of recommendations. Okay, back to part four. Anyway, what I was talking about with the R's, re-entry, relapse, and recovery, and got sidetracked talking about metaphysical milkshake was, I think it's really interesting to remind ourselves that relapse is not a moral failing. That It's going to happen. It's a part of human psychology that we beat ourselves up about it. We throw on so much guilt and shame and just emotional lashings of ourselves that I really want to strip that away when I'm talking about relapse in the sense of work addiction. I mean, even in the sense of drug or alcohol addiction as well. I think that we've got to use those skills of self-compassion And just know that like, hey, this is part of the human experience and it happens. If you haven't listened to me, oh goodness, self-compassion radically changed my life. There are so many good episodes recently that I've done on self-compassion. The one that I did with Dr. Kristen Neff, and then I gave references to other episodes that I've done on self-compassion. If you need a good dose of that and that's resonating with you, pause now and go listen all about some self-compassion because I'm telling you. It is really what has helped motivate and move me into a different space in my life. Just learning to be nice to myself has been amazing. Imagine that. So anyway, so we're going to talk about relapse coded in a whole huge chocolate coating of compassion as well. So if you listened to episode three, again, I'm repeating myself because I keep getting off track. Coming back to work, because let's be honest, none of us are not ever going to be able to work again in our lives. It's like when you quit drinking, you're never not going to be around alcohol again in your life, no matter how hard you try. I mean, you cannot show up in a bar, which is super important when you're recovering from an alcohol addiction, but there's always going to be those, for instances, like at a wedding or at like a casual couples retreat or, you know, baseball game. It's going to be around. And the same thing, it's going to be around. Work is always going to be a part of our lives. So I think it's really important that we take time to realize that we can't just like run away from this and join a convent in the middle of the jungle and um, sing Kumbaya the rest of our days. There will be a reentry after you do a pause. And I think you have two courses of action for which you can take from that. You can either relapse and return to your workaholic ingrained tendencies that you've been doing for years and years and years, or you can enter into recovery. And again, I'm smothering recovery with a lot of compassion right now, knowing that not every day is going to be 100% awesome. You're not going to get it right 100% of the time, but I define recovery as actively trying to move past those negative tendencies of work addiction. Let's talk a little bit about what I see when either I have experienced re-entry into the workplace after dealing with my work addiction or I've helped other people. 
you do come back a different person. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that. If you truly want to not let work rule your life, to be under the compulsions to overwork all the time, you do have to come back different. And that means that your boundaries are going to be different. The way that you speak is going to be different. The way that you move about in your work is going to be different. The way that you interact with yourself and you interact with others and even the way that you interact with your work is also going to have to be different. So it's like trying to go away for a weekend and change your whole life and then come back into the workplace and act like nothing has happened. That's not beneficial at all. So I really want you to think of re-entry as a new entrance, a different interest in that. And so part of that that goes along with that, I think that we must change in medicine, is that we have to recognize that RVU-based income for physician is the drug dealer of work addictions. Because if you're incentivized to churn and burn and to get as many RVUs as possible and that there's no caps and there's no safeguards for you to overdo it, it's just like a drug dealer giving out more supply and more supply and more supply to reinforce those types of behaviors. So I think one intimate change that must happen specifically for physicians who identify that they have a work addiction is you have to change the structure for which you get paid. And this is not an easy task, not at all, especially if you work for a very large organization and they say, well, this is just how we do things. I would venture to say that if it is something that is not beneficial to your employees, that is causing more harm than good, then it needs to be evaluated and it needs to be looked at. But that's one area that I approach with people that I work with is what are the pressures? What are the triggers for you that motivate your work addiction? And some of it is not tied to the employer. Some of it is very certainly inner, and we'll get to that in the next point. But there are some external influences. Another one that I think is totally inappropriate is perfect attendance. I think expecting people and incentivizing perfect attendance gives no margin for us being human to take a sick day when we're sick or a mental health day when we're overwhelmed or a day to take care of your kids when they're sick or they've got to play at school or they need to go get their routine checkup as well. So I think another external factor that must be motivated is incentivizing perfect attendance. And another one that I think is actually really important that we should start incentivizing is making sure that everyone takes their vacation days, that those are days that are guaranteed to you within your employment agreement, and that they should all be used. They just should. You should take the time off. You should. Those are your days to use. They're there to help you keep you happy and balanced. And as part of your employment, your employer has already agreed to these. So if you are banking a bunch of vacation days or you always in the year when having not used all of those, something to look at, my friend. So those are some external factors that I want to talk about. And the other thing, too, with those external factors, I think it's important for employers to ensure that workload, rewards, and incentives are based on positive behaviors rather than negative behaviors that are being masked as positive behaviors. Again, like I said, churning and burning, trying to get as many patients through, generating as much RVUs. 
excessive charting, I think is another one. Clicking all the boxes, that should be a team approach. That should just not fall onto one provider, one physician to make sure they check the smoking cessation box. And incentives, again, like with the perfect attendance, need to be based on positive behaviors. We should be encouraging physicians to see their own physicians. Let's be honest. We're not super robot heroes. We are humans with wants and needs, and we need to take care of them. Okay, so that's the external. So modifying your workplace after you've taken a pause. And what's the internal now? What are the things that we need to clean up inside of ourselves that are our responsibilities when it comes to our work addictions? The first big one is what I call enoughness. It's figuring out that point that what is good enough. And I know everybody who might be listening is thinking, well, perfect. Perfect is good enough. The A plus. But I want to remind you, there is no A plusing in adulthood. There is no A-plusing in your job. There are no more grades. Now, it feels like that sometimes, and there are metrics for which I know that numbers are assigned to, but I'm really talking about the internal view of really deciding what is good enough and setting a standard for which is achievable on a average day, not if everything goes right and perfect, then I can meet it, but on a majority of days, what would be good enough? So let me give you a for instance. So many times, I know in my own personal life, I have had like the agenda set in my head how my day was going to go. And it was really based on if everything went on my schedule perfectly times and there was no bumps in the road, that would be how the day would go. But it's absolutely unrealistic because guess what? Hashtag life happens. And so we need to account for having a little bit of buffer room for when things spill over, planning for meetings and not trying to shove them in with your lunchtime while you're trying to see your last two patients of the morning. So I think it's really focusing in on this moment right now and recognizing that I'm doing as good as I can in this moment that I have with the resources that are available to me. Now that may look completely different than a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, a decade ago. Because believe me, my energy levels, my space, hashtag before three children, that was all different. But I think we have to bring that scope into the now. I am doing the best that I can with the time that I have with the resources available to me. It's something super important to me to remind myself that this is enough. I am doing enough. I am enough. The other internal belief that I want to really capture on too is redefining what good work is. It's been hammered into my head, evidence-based medicine, this is what you always do. And what I've found out in real life work is that we can't always do to the T evidence-based medicine. We can't always do get that CT scan immediately when I have a patient in my office who is having some kind of symptoms and, you know, we need to get that done. In the middle of a fucking pandemic, there are just limited resources that we cannot get stuff done. But how many times do we let ourselves get beat up by that when instead we need to look at it and say, okay, you know, how can I redefine what good work is? How did I show up for this patient? How did I advocate for them? Maybe I wasn't able to get their labs done in 60 minutes, but, you know, it got done in six hours. So, again, going back to that good enough. 
All right. And the third internal shift that I want to talk about and changing is reminding ourselves that just like being a super hard worker can be our superpower, it can also be our kryptonite. It can be the thing that runs us into the ground. And so moderation (laughs) and having those things in place to help with moderation Knowing your signs, knowing your red flags for when you are overdoing it and putting those very hard and clear boundaries into place and then telling everyone around you that these are your boundaries. So when you start fudging on them, when you start moving them, then not only you no longer have to call yourself out on it, other people with loving kindness can do that to same. So an example for me recently is starting my day at 10 o'clock. I like to get going, whether it's clinical work or whether it's down here in the basement with online business coaching work as well. And I have an assistant, the wonderful Anna. I call her Hand of the Queen (laughs) because she really is. She needs a pin. And she calls me when I start adding into my schedule or she sees adding into my schedule before 10 o'clock or she sees me sending emails or Slack messages either early morning hours or late at night saying, Erin, what's going on here? She doesn't call me out and say like, what the hell do you think you're doing? But just asking, you know, what's going on? Because I think so many times instead of asking what's wrong, we need to be asking what's happening. Because I know for me, overworking is definitely a coping mechanism. When I get overwhelmed, when I get anxious, when I get sad, I go to work. I throw myself into the work because it makes me busy and it's a distractor. And so having those boundaries in place, having a ways that you can have awareness when those boundaries are being crossed and having people to help support you as well. Hey, are you tired of going at it alone? Well, friend, you don't have to anymore. Come sit with me. I want you to know that it's okay if you need to take a break. It's okay if you need to talk about some real crappy things. It's okay. You're not the first to feel like this, and you don't have to stick it out and be miserable. There is a way out, and there is a whole movement of fierce females in your corner. If you want to come sit with me and be in my community, you will not see me in Facebook groups. I freaking hate Facebook with a deep and fiery passion. (laughs) But what you can do is come over to Aaron Wiseman's Badass Collective on Slack. Because guess what? Once a badass, always a badass. And this isn't anything that's paid. It's not anything that I'm like throwing huge promos at you. It is simply a community where I am trying to get people together in the same space so that we can have these kind of conversations safely and in a protected manner that you feel so loved on. It's the whole purpose. So click in the show notes, get over to the Slack group. We do have some community rules. But, you know, that's just how it goes. But I would love to see you in there. I am in there almost every single day having real conversations, posting crazy pictures of my kids and gifts, all that good stuff. And I want you in there, too. So come on over. Come sit with me.
All right. Just a word from our sponsor, locumstories.com. For doctors, the story has changed. Visit drpodcastnetwork.com backslash locum story for unbiased information about locum tenants and to see if it should be your next chapter. And remember, locum tenants tends to trend as a godsend men to the burnt out ends. <laughs> Thanks so much, locumstory.com. And yes, go check them out. Let them help you. Well, that's it for today. I hope you can join me for part five on this work is my drug, a work addiction series. We're going to talk more about this and we're actually going to talk about workaholic leadership. Dun, dun, dun. See you then. And remember your life, your calling, your pulse matters. <laughs>